This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's 12.03. You made it to Friday afternoon, January 21st, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Shares of Netflix plunge following disappointing earnings. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the latest look at leading indicators is out today. Let's break it down with the help of Carl Riccadonna, chief U.S. economist with Bloomberg based in New York. Carl, thanks for joining us today. When it comes to the index of leading economic indicators, it sounds like the economy in some ways is shrugging off the concerns over both the inflation and the Omicron variant of COVID-19. Well, this is a very peculiar report because obviously the leading indicators index, as its name implies, should be telling us what's happening in the economy over the next quarter or two. Uh, And when things are operating under normal conditions, that uh, usually holds up pretty well. So as we look further into the future, uh, the leading index, uh, which rose about uh, eight tenths of a percentage point uh, today, uh, tells us that, uh, yes, the outlook for the medium term uh, certainly is uh, constructive for the U.S. economy. And that's consistent with what the consensus among economists uh, is anticipating uh, for later on in 2022. However, this is December data, and so it's missing a lot of the things that just turned the corner as the Omicron wave swept across the country in late December uh, and continuing uh, through the uh, present. And so if we look at uh, some other leading indicators that don't show up in this index, things like uh, airfare uh, bookings and uh, restaurant uh, bookings, uh, some of those very timely uh, metrics of how the pandemic is imp- impacting economic activity, we can see that in the very near term, things have certainly deteriorated. And even regional manufacturing data out of places like New York State show a sharp drop off in January. So leading indicators tell us in the medium term, yes, the economy is on a very constructive path, but we're going to have a, a uncomfortable hiccup uh, in the much nearer term. That's a very appropriate word that you used, peculiar, in describing this uh, index of the leading economic indicators, because that does seem to be a good way to describe the time in which we are in. Omicron uh, appears to be cresting in a number of cities in this country, New York, Boston, uh, Chicago. Uh, Officials here say we've turned the corner as far as Omicron cases are concerned. And if they descend as quickly as they went up in uh, late December and early January. What is that going to say about the state of the economy? Is it going to is it going to be like a rubber band and pop right back into place? It should be like a rubber band. And uh, by the end of the quarter, we should see uh, really a very strong uh, resumption of, uh, of robust economic activity like what we were seeing prior to Omicron hitting the economy 
uh, back in uh, you know Q4 of last year, especially the earlier part of that quarter. Uh, but as we saw, even looking at uh, filings for unemployment claims in the latest week, uh, we saw a sharp uptick. So uh, definitely we are hitting an air pocket. January is not going to be a good month. We may even see uh, net layoffs in the economy rather than the robust job creation we've been seeing uh, for much of the end of last year. Uh, So, again, uh, a rocky start to the year, uh, but that does not mean that uh, things can't bounce back uh, with significant force as we get into February, March and uh, and the spring months. And it seems like there's a number of question marks beginning with what is the economy going to look like as uh, stimulus gets farther and farther in the rearview mirror and that people uh, may start running out of all the cash they were sitting on during the pandemic? Absolutely. So uh, savings are getting worked down. Uh, As anyone who fuels up their automobile knows, uh, gas prices are significantly eating into household budgets, as well as rising uh, food costs and inflation elsewhere, including rents, uh, for instance. Uh, So there's, you know, there's a lot of reasons to look at uh, 2022 and realize the economy is going to be uh, performing very differently. So that the frothy behavior uh, we saw in 2021, uh, where uh, GDP growth is uh, probably growing at about a, a 5% or greater clip uh, when we get the uh, final numbers next week, uh, we're going to be growing at a slower pace this year for sure. That does not mean recession by any means, and it'll still be above trend growth. Uh, but uh, it's a very hard case to say that 2022 will be as robust as the year that preceded us, because a lot of those special factors indeed are fading away. Well, thanks for joining us. Carl Riccadonna, chief U.S. economist at Bloomberg, based in New York. Coming up, Netflix releases its earnings and its stock plummets. The details on the way. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The latest Netflix report shows a slowdown in subscriber growth and shares are taking a dive today. Let's discuss what's happening at the streaming service with Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Verter Group in Chicago. Tim, thanks for joining us today. At first glance, it would sound like uh, Netflix got hit with the law of gravity. Well, Rob, look, it's, um, it, it is also the timing, right? You just mentioned all the numbers today and the last number of days, right, that the market is, is declining on a number of different fronts. So announcing a slightly uh, disappointing uh, subscriber addition number yesterday, um, it's done in a head, against the headwind of uh, declining uh, marketplace right now in, in the markets. Um, that said, though, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, the law of averages is, is starting to uh, uh, catch up to, to Netflix, and the competition uh, is absolutely gearing up, uh, and in many cases, actually starting to nibble away, maybe taking into some significant swipes at Netflix's long-held dominance. Now, remember too that you know Netflix just last week raised prices the third time in three years. Uh, the average now is a $15.49 a month uh, subscription, right? So doing that plus announcing some, shall we say, lighter than expected subscriber growth, um, you know, a plus in this marketplace, uh, it's just, it's a bad day. It is no surprise it's down 22% today as a stock. And I mean, there, there are a couple of things going on here. I mean, first off, there's just the idea that 
everyone's going back to their pre-pandemic lives in some form or fashion. And everyone signed up for Netflix in March of 2020 or April because there was nothing better to do. We were all based in our homes and staying inside. And now that the the lure of the out of doors is uh, presenting itself and uh, people either aren't subscribing to streaming services or reevaluating what they have. I, I think that's that, that's partially true. I think, um, uh, you know, again, competition is, is really gearing up. If you look at it, I mean, there are, you know, HBO Max has become uh, quite a significant player in a very short period of time. Disney, not only with Disney Plus, but also their Disney bundle when you layer in ESPN Plus and Hulu uh, for a more attractive price of $13.99 a month, right, versus now $15.49 from Netflix. Uh, it's becoming an interesting uh, allure for consumers to kind of make some decisions about which services I really should keep uh, and can afford to pay for and which ones shouldn't I. Now, that said, Netflix, of course, is everybody's first choice. It's the most ubiquitous literally on the planet. It uh, doesn't mean it's succeeding everywhere. They just had to lower prices dramatically in India, a gigantic market that they've never been able to figure out. Um, so the, the incumbent advantage is absolutely on, on Netflix. So I think some of this really is uh, you know, it's it's a feeling of um, of momentum or perception, and Netflix is just the biggest. So anytime there's a small hiccup or, or a speed bump, Netflix is going to look perhaps outsized negatively. But um, make no mistake, there is a wealth of competition from other streaming services right now, and I really think that's probably the biggest underlying factor in all of this, and I think people are starting to recognize it in the markets. Well, thank you for the insights this afternoon. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertier Group in Chicago. Coming up next, a leading home fitness company is slowing production of its products. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The CEO of Peloton is adjusting production of its popular home fitness products. Here to tell us what's driving the move is Kenneth Leon, Research Director, CFRA, Delray Beach, Florida. Ken, thanks for joining us today. The CEO of Peloton, John Foley, out with uh, some statements today, clarifying a report yesterday on CNBC that said they had already halted production of a number of their home fitness products, uh, their bikes and their treadmills. And what did he have to say today in this uh, memo to employees? So today he kind of refuted that they stopped production, not totally. Um, he did give a pre-release for the upcoming quarter results to be reported February 8th, which are pretty much in line with what analysts were thinking. So it's more of these mega questions looking out to 2022 about what is the business model what exactly does the CEO mean by trying to build a variable or flexible cost structure and possibly reduce headcount? And ultimately, the big question is demand. You know, analysts are thinking, was the pull through from the pandemic taking from the future sales of Peloton? And this is still a nascent area that's growing. And the question is, there's more competition. So Peloton's the leader. Uh, they're sitting on $2 billion of cash. They did raise just under a billion dollars back in November. They got a huge war chest, but no one really knows where the business is going. It, it does uh, bring to mind a very important question. He actually brings this up in this memo is, you know, what happens to a business when you get five years worth of growth in just a couple of months because of a very out of the ordinary circumstance like a global <laughs> pandemic? 
So the concerns here is uh, whether some of the um, problems at Peloton and the stocks trading off so much are self-inflicted, whether it be um, a trial of lowering the price of the basic bike, and then uh, rumors to be where you're going to be charged for delivery or for repairs, and really whether they want to be a manufacturer. Uh, Part of the raise in November was for this beautiful big plant in Ohio. Uh, They also still get equipment from Taiwan. And Peloton, as it uses technology, isn't a tech company. Uh, Its content is driven by software and streaming media, but ultimately they have to show a stable business, recurring subscriber revenue, and that's where their margins are. It's not in selling the bike, and that leads to larger scale and profitability. And very quickly, uh, what's your stock recommendation on Peloton? We have a hold on the stock. We're on the sidelines, if you will. There's 29 analysts covering the stock, 15 still with a buy. Well, thank you for joining us. Kenneth Leon, Research Director, CFRA, Delray Beach, Florida. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, a Chicago business group is working to build intergenerational mentoring programs. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Negotiations between the U.S. and Russia over Ukraine. Well, they're continuing to be tense. Two popular entertainers being remembered for their life and work today. It's Entrepreneur Friday, the group Chicago Innovation revealing some big plans for this year. We'll talk to its CEO. And a new version of the Cadillac Escalade is touted as a high-powered gasoline vehicle. 
WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 200 points. The NASDAQ is down 210. The S&P 500 down 43. AccuWeather says today, turning out mainly sunny, brisk and cold. A high of 26. We have 22 degrees right now in Chicago under partly sunny skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, a critical moment in negotiations over Moscow's aggression against Ukraine. The details from correspondent Sagar Magani. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken didn't expect any major breakthroughs with Russian counterpart Sergei Lavrov, and there weren't. But he says the meeting was useful. I believe that uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov now has a better understanding of our position. Uh, and vice versa. Blinken says Lavrov repeated Russia has no intention of invading Ukraine, but with an estimated 100,000 troops massed near the border. We're looking at uh, what is visible uh, to all. And Russia's actions will make the difference. Blinken again said an invasion would merit a swift and severe response. Lavrov says Blinken promised written responses to Russian demands, including some America and its allies have already flatly dismissed. Sagar Magani, Washington. An Emmy-winning actor and comedian whose career spans stand-up comedy and starring roles in movies has died. A popular comedy performer has passed away. Louis Anderson has died. Word of his death comes from his longtime publicist, who had just announced days ago that the comedian and actor was hospitalized in Las Vegas for cancer treatment. His rep says Anderson died from complications from a type of non-Hodgkin lymphoma. He was 68 years old. Anderson had been a presence in comedy on TV and in the movies for four decades. He won an Emmy in 2016, playing the mother of two twin adult sons in the TV series Baskets. He was in the original Eddie Murphy movie coming to America and in last year's sequel to the 1988 comedy, and for a time, Anderson hosted a revival of the game show Family Feud. I'm Oscar Wells Gabriel. And another big name in entertainment has died, the singer known as Meatloaf, who soared to great heights in the 70s and 80s with his operatic rock songs that became big hits, died at the age of 74. No cause of death has been shared. It's 12.33 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red. We're joined by Vaha. Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, it's, is it safe to say that the story of 2022 so far has been uh, uh, investors cutting their uh, risk exposure? Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, you know, we've had uh, three years in a row now where the stock market has done uh, pretty well, uh, much better than average. Uh, so this streak can't, uh, you know, continue forever. Um, so I think a lot of investors are, are taking profits. Uh, they didn't want to take them in December because of, uh, of taxes, so they waited until uh, January. Uh, they're taking profits. Um, we're seeing that value stocks are outperforming growth stocks. They're getting out of some of the most uh, overpriced names. Um, but, you know, I, I would say that if you're a long-term investor, um, I think this is an opportunity to start putting some money to work. <clears throat> We've had a, a pretty strong sell-off so far in January. Um, the market could certainly go lower. But um, if you're investing for the next uh, five to ten years, I don't think you need to worry about it. You can you can start investing now. There's a lot of discussion uh, in, in moments of, of when, when a massive sell-off is underway is when do you buy the dip, especially on the NASDAQ. Uh, is, is the tech sector uh, still going to uh, be a, a very unstable place for the time being? Or like you said, is it time to start uh, going back in? 
No, I, I do think that the tech sector is going to be troublesome. Um, as I said, a lot of technology stocks are very overvalued, um, and investors are, are seeking value right now. So they're rotating out of the traditional growth names and going more into the value names. So I would, um, I would either buy some indexes that are very broad-based or some indexes that favor the value stocks, or uh, I would buy some individual value stocks. There are lots of good stocks out there. Um, that pay good dividends, that are not overvalued, that didn't uh, go up tremendously in the past few years. And uh, they're the kinds of stocks that money is rotating into now. And I'm talking about things like you know, Verizon, for example, which has been an incredibly stable stock, yet it has a very generous dividend. Um, I think that's the kind of stock people are now finding attractive. What do you make of cryptocurrency so far in 2022? There was a lot of discussion uh, around New Year's about uh, this is the year that crypto goes to $100,000. Now it's at $30,000. Is is that uh, flight out of cryptocurrency just part of the uh, general risk avoidance trend so far this year? Well, you know, I've I've never been a fan of cryptocurrencies because I I don't really – understand them. Uh, Cryptocurrencies don't have any intrinsic value. And by that, I mean that um, they're not like a stock that produces cash flows. Um, So you're basically, when you're investing in cryptocurrencies, you're basically making a bet that you're going to be able to sell it in the future at a higher price to somebody else. So the the price is determined only by uh, the specific uh, traders in the market and who's willing to hold it and and all that kind of stuff. So because it doesn't have an intrinsic value, I think it's a very risky asset to get into. And right now, I think we are seeing a sell-off because it's coordinated with the stock market sell-off. So there are investors that are invested in both. They're seeing their stocks going down. They want to lock in some profits. They might be selling cryptocurrencies uh, for that reason. Uh, In the future, you know, cryptocurrencies may go to 100,000. I have no idea. But uh, I just think it's an asset that's very difficult to value, and as a result, uh, I'm avoiding it. Well, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut. Coming up next in Entrepreneur Friday, Chicago Innovation looks to support women and minorities in business. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday. The group Chicago Innovation has a busy agenda for 2022. Let's find out some of the plans from Luke Tannen, the president and CEO of Chicago Innovation, the website chicagoinnovation.com. Luke, thanks for joining us today. Before we look ahead to 2022, let's recap uh, 2021 for Chicago Innovation. Uh, Last year was a year in transition out of the uh, pandemic economy. And uh, what was it like for Chicago Innovation? Yeah, well, you know, Rob, Chicago Innovation, which uh, just celebrated its 20th year last year, has always been focused on educating, connecting, and celebrating innovators of all types across industries, big companies, startups, for-profits, and nonprofits. And, you know, we do this through our year-round events and programs. And I will say that despite the pandemic, Chicago Innovation, thankfully, had a silver lining year in 2021. And in fact, we had over 10,000 people participate in our events and programs, which was up from 7,300 people in 2019. And indeed, we do have a lot of great things planned for 2022 including the annual Chicago Innovation Awards, as well as monthly events, which are virtual, in-person, and hybrid. We learned how to do all of them during the pandemic, and uh, they're all for people interested in innovation to come together to to learn and to network. And it sounds like the agenda for 2022 is inclusivity, inviting everyone to be a participant. Yes, that's exactly right. So we run four programs that advance our vision that innovation is for everyone, because innovation happens best 
when there are as many diverse perspectives at the table as possible. So I'll tell you what those programs are, and any of your listeners can get involved. So first is the Women's Mentoring Co-op, which we started seven years ago to help women connect, innovate, and grow, and really propel more women into positions of leadership. It started with 25 women. Uh, it's grown into a community of over 800 women who have now been involved in supportive mentoring relationships, and we've seen all kinds of terrific outcomes, ranging from women getting promotions, raises, launching new business, raising their first round of funding, and you know, other times just simply sharpening their skills, whether it be becoming stronger leaders or, or gaining more confidence. Then in addition to that, we have a new program we launched called The Ladder. Uh, we're doing in partnership with IC Stars. It just launched this month. It's for Black and Latina innovators advancing their careers. We have an amazing group of 25 founding mentors, 25 mentees for this inaugural six-month cohort, and they take part in monthly workshops, professional development, networking events, and more with topics ranging from how to develop innovation mindset, relationship building, building executive presence, what it takes to get on a board. You know, it's these practical skills that, that we hope will enable a larger portion of diverse innovators to really make their way to the top of the ladder. And then a third mentoring program is Ages Innovators, which is an intergenerational co-mentoring program done in partnership with the Village Chicago, and it brings together older and younger adults together in co-mentoring relationships. So you can imagine a 62-year-old leader and a 32-year-old leader being paired together to go through this co-mentoring experience with a community of other leaders that span the age spectrum. And new this year is a campaign we're launching called Turn the Page on Age, which will celebrate positive narratives around aging in order to combat ageism in the workforce. And then the last program that we do, and this is, this is focused on kids now, um, is called the Chicago Student Invention Convention. It's in its 10th year of teaching innovation to K-8 grade students. It culminates in the city's largest competition of student-led prototypes. And we've had over 20,000 students participate in this to date, where every student starts by identifying a problem in their own life and then going through the seven-step innovation journey to create an invention prototype to solve their problem. And we've had students get patents. They compete against the top young inventors from around the country, the National Student Invention Convention. So if you are a parent that has a creative K through eighth grade uh, student, and you know what, all students are creative, this is just a way for them to flex that muscle, tell their teacher they can run this program for free in their classroom starting this month. If, you, if, you, if you're listening to this and, and you hear these programs being described and you say, well, that's me. Um, you know, what? what is innovation in that context and how can you be an innovator and can you be an innovator anywhere? Yes. And that's what's great about innovation. It's not just high tech. You know, we say innovation is high tech, low tech and no tech. Innovation is about solving problems, finding unmet needs, coming up with unique solutions that have an impact. So using that as a definition it doesn't matter if you're a tech person or a non-tech person. You can be an innovator, and our community is all about celebrating, embracing, supporting, connecting people who are interested in learning more about innovation or already feel like they're innovators themselves and are looking to take themselves and their organizations to the next level. Well, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Luke Tannen, president and CEO of Chicago Innovation, the website chicagoinnovation.com. Still to come, GM showing off a version of its flagship Cadillac that features gasoline power. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. GM is adding a gas-powered Cadillac to its growing lineup of high-powered vehicles. With more on the automaker's, uh, automaker's push is Jeff Gilbert, the CBS News automotive correspondent based in Detroit. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Uh, electric vehicles are sexy. Electric vehicles are all the rage and probably the car of the future. But uh, in the here and now, the big old gas-guzzling SUV is very popular with the driving public. 
Yep, as are sporty vehicles, and this particular vehicle will kind of combine both. Cadillac has had a V designation, you know, much like uh, Mercedes designations of AMG for, for the vehicles that have performance. Well, they're adding a V designation now to the Escalade. No specifics, but it's likely to be very big. Well, it is very big, and it's likely to be very fast and probably going to be very expensive, too. How does uh, Cadillac stack up in the uh, luxury vehicle space these days? Because when I hear Cadillac, I still think of uh, when I was parking cars at a country club 30 years ago, and uh, the the Cadillac uh, Fleetwood would pull up, the leather interior, uh, smelling uh, vaguely of cigar smoke, golf clubs in the (laughs) trunk. Is that still the uh, perception that Cadillac has and is trying to move away from? Unfortunately, with many people, that is the perception. The reality is they make some very good vehicles, uh, especially these V-Series vehicles. They've got some Blackwing ones that, that are you know, essentially race cars uh, with a Cadillac badge on them. But uh, they, they definitely have that image. And you know, one of the ways they're trying to dispel that is with the electric vehicles that, that are coming. They've got an electric Cadillac Lyric coming, something called the Celestic, which is going to be a, a really high-end Cadillac. But for here and now, Escalade is their best seller. They sell 40000 of them a year, and that's what they make a lot of money on. And GM uh, probably has to straddle both worlds, the uh, high-performance gasoline-powered market and the EV market, at least as far as this decade is concerned. Yeah, it's not just GM. It's everybody has to straddle those worlds. If you sit sit in uh, your vehicle on a freeway and look around, you're going to see a lot more SUVs and pickup trucks, gasoline-powered ones, than you're going to see electric vehicles right now. The transition is going to take a while, and car makers have to invest a lot of money in these future vehicles, but they've got to invest a lot of money to make the vehicles that people want to buy today as well. And it's a marketplace that's impervious to the price of gas. Well, you know, in many ways, the people who are buying new vehicles are are impervious to a lot of prices. You know, the average transaction price for a brand new vehicle is pushing $47,000 these days. That doesn't mean most vehicles sell at that. That's the average because it it reflects all of the high-end vehicles that people are buying fully loaded. I test drive a lot of vehicles. This week, I'm test driving a Jeep Grand Cherokee, the Summit Edition. Now, it's a great vehicle. But when I took a look at the sticker price, I almost fainted, $87,000. So, you know, there are a lot of expensive vehicles out there, and people are buying them. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter based in Detroit. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.